So we continue today on this series called Being the Next, Speaking Less, Loving More. I uh, hope this has been a blessing to you. Um, but we've been looking in the series, if you're, if you're new with us today in this series, what we've been doing is looking at what it means to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ and the work that He's doing in and through our lives more than just what we say, but how we live and what we do. The evidence of His work in our lives to the world around us. Um, we are told in Scripture to proclaim. We, we are to proclaim the Gospel with our mouths. We are to confess and profess the Gospel and the good news of Jesus with our words. But more than our words, it's how we live. And I, I, I think in, in, in a large part, in the body of Christ, one of the reasons why we can lose a platform to speak is that we can be a contradiction to our message and allowing God to challenge us by saying, God, more than what I say, more than what I proclaim, and yes, it's important for me to proclaim it, but God, I want people to see your work in and through me. I want people to see the light of Jesus wherever I go. I want there to be evidence of your work in me. Again, this is not achieving a, a status of some somehow perfect or walking this perfect life. But it, it's actually even seen in how I respond and react in situations. If I blow it, do I repent? Do I confess? Do I admit it? Or do I justify my sin? And even the work of Christ, even people can see us, even in our messing up and our blowing it, because we're all broken and need a Savior. Amen? And people can see the work of Christ even in how we respond in those things. So it's not trying to achieve some sort of, you know, pinnacle of our faith that we're never blowing it or never making a mistake, but saying, God, help me that the work of Christ is seen in and through me. And that's where, we're, where we've been at. Our key passage in the next slide um, has been from 1 John 3.18. John talks a lot about love, but he says this, and this has been kind of our challenge passage, and I encourage you to get this in your heart. It's going to challenge to me. Memorize this. Um, but this idea of being the message here, children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, and, and this is probably a passage where you get that, you know, actions speak louder than words. It's very true. Um, and it's true in our walk with Christ. Because usually every life communicates a message. It really does. Every life, whether you say anything or not, our lives communicate a message. Our lives tell the story of who we are. When you get to know someone and you are building a relationship with them, again, more than what they say, and, and that's a part of it, but as you get to know them what, what, through what they do and through what they value and through their priorities and how they respond and how they act, you begin to know them and it tells a story of who they are. And so as followers of Jesus, as we are walking with Christ, God is that we're transforming our lives, or we should be, and that should be our, our goal, is that we're being transformed, changed from glory to glory. Again, the change is not going to, all of a sudden, we're this, but we are being changed, and there's a process and a progress that's going on in our lives, that we're walking with Christ, and He's transforming us, and, we, and then we communicate the message of Jesus, again, through our lives. If you're not a believer, or for people that are, they, they don't believe in, you know, that they're not Christians, they've not accepted Christ, they've not surrendered their lives to Christ, God is still at work and He's leading them to Himself. And it says this that the Holy Spirit is the one that draws people, unless the Spirit draws a person, they, 
They can't find Christ. And so there is, there's a work of the Spirit that He's doing to draw people to the love of God. And that's where we come in, is that we become His message to the people around us. It's not all on us, thank God. Isn't that, a good, isn't that good news? But we do our part, and we say, Holy Spirit, you're in me, so live through me, so that you are drawing people to Christ. Because ultimately, that's what we want. We want people to come to know Jesus, to love Jesus. And so either way, he's writing a message on the lives of people. There's a, a couple of this unique one. There's a, in, in week one, a unique expression of his love and grace in our lives personally, that we have a unique life method, even in our circumstances. Even if you've gone through challenging times, even when we've walked through very difficult situations when we belong to God, He can make that a unique life message through you. It doesn't have to rule you or dictate you or define you. It doesn't have to keep you in depression and bitterness, but actually God can heal you and make that a unique life message and again point people to Christ when you become a wounded healer. And you walk through something and people see God's feeling presence, what God has done, and His peace on you, and His work in you, and then you're able to say, this is what God can do. It's not about me, it's about what God has done. It's unique life message. And so as we, today, as we move into discovering our purpose, you see the title is Molded, um, the title of the is Molded for His Purpose. We're going to look at an interesting story from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah. And, and we're going to look at what the story speaks to us today. Now, it's interesting in context. Let me give you a little backstory on this before we get into this part. Um, we're just going to look at a part of the story. In Israel's history, when Jeremiah is the prophet, God would choose prophetic voices, these prophets, these men of God, as messengers to the people, ultimately their job was to call people that were far from God, Israel, and say, you're, you're wandering, you're getting off the track, you've, you've been wandering, going your own way, now come back, God's calling you back. And, 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 and so the, the, in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and you see these other prophets like, you know, Elijah and Elisha, and then, you know, we can go on and on, but these Prophets were there to call people back to God, and God would use unique ways to speak to them and speak through them. Some of these ways were kind of even strange. Um, and when you read the Bible, you're like, wow, that's kind of weird. But ultimately, the call of God was this. And if you look, even if you read those, and if you're like me, even if you read some of those passages, it isn't hard to read sometimes the Old Testament prophets. Some of it's like really good nuggets, and you go, I get where they're going, and then you hit those hard, and then it's like, this is very difficult for me to read. But if you if you boil it all down, what God is doing is He's calling people to Himself, and He's saying to Israel, He said, "You you guys you guys were tracking along, but what happened is you veered off." That He would He would confront them with idolatry because they began to worship other gods, and they would go and they would. Ultimately, the big story was that they would become God. They would say, we're God, we're, we're going to do it our way, we're going to do things our way, we don't care about God, and we will just make up our own rules, we will, you know, we, we will choose what to do and what not to do, we'll make our own standards, and, God, and that would grieve God, because He said, I have a plan for you, and you're going to walk in destruction if you do this, so I'm calling you back over here. And it is a call of love, it is a call of repentance, it's a call of saying, come back to, 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 to the right way, to the, the way I've called you, because it's a life of grace and peace and purpose. 
when you're veering off, it's a life of heartache. And they learn the hard way over and over. If you're reading the one-year Bible, you know, there's that one phrase in there that's a heartbreaking phrase for the people of Israel. And the people did what was right in their own eyes. That's a, a tragic verse. And, and God would raise up, you know, at that time, judges to... You know, they, would, they, would, they would be really hurt and oppressed, and, and they, they would be held captive because of sin. And they'd cry out to God, please forgive us, and He would send a judge to rescue them. And they'd have a period of peace, and then they would go back into being, back into doing things their own way again. And, and, and the Word says that they were doing what was right in their own eyes, and that is not a noble thing at all. It's a tragic thing, and they would you know, do that. So in the context, Jeremiah is the prophet of God. He's interesting, you know, people get this kind of nickname for him. He's called the weeping prophet because most of his prophetic words were just words of grief. Because they were, the people were just rebellious. They did not want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And he would grief as they come back to God. God loves you. He cares about you. Nope, we're going to do our own thing. And he'll say, well, if you're going to do that, you just need to know here's the, here's what, here's the finish line for that. And it's, it's destruction. It's, it's, it's everything that you hope and not to happen to them to happen to you. And he would grieve because he loved the people. And God would say, keep proclaiming, you've got to proclaim it and call them. And he would call them. And then they would, in that period of time, they kept doing their own thing. And so this is the context here where God is continually calling the people. And it's no different today that through Christ the Spirit, God is calling us back to himself. He's calling the world to himself. When we as believers, when we veer off, because how many knows we can veer off and we can stumble and we can fall. And that's where the response is right. And he says, come back to me. Come back to me. And the Holy Spirit draws us and says, come, come back. And so you have this, so he, this weeping prophet. And so God comes to him and he, and he, and he says, I, I want to I wanna do something. And it's like similar to what God has done in his prophetic words and carry uh, and Sue kind of gives these, these words from Scripture that are truth that point us. But sometimes, you know, Terry has this imagery where, like, you know, he has his picture of something. And what's cool is we can go back in the biblical times where God spoke through images and, 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 and he would speak through certain times, certain times dreams, but he would show pictures and images and say, I want to take you somewhere because I want to speak to you about something. And it's no different today that when we go about and we're listening, God is speaking. And we can see the things in life and we can walk in it. We have our ear in tune with God and He can speak to us through things. And so God said to Jeremiah, He said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to show you something like a prophet. I want to proclaim another message to the people, but I want you to go down to the potter's house. And I want you to look at what he does because I'm going to teach you a lesson. And God is saying, I'm going to preach a message through what this potter is doing as a word to come back, a word to the people, as a word of encouragement, of love, of challenge, because I love you. And I'm gonna, I want you to go down to this potter's house. I want you to look at what he's doing. And I'm going to teach you a lesson there. And so Jeremiah goes to this potter's house. And God says, I'm going to give you my message to that. And I think through this story, God is speaking to us as well. And so in chapter 18 of Jeremiah, we see him in the midst, again, in the midst of a time of rebellion. Israel is doing their own thing. 
And God takes Jeremiah to this podcast. So we're going to go to this passage. Verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaking from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, so he's, you got this imagery, and he's showing him something that's actually happening. He's like, now, you see what's happening? Now I have a very fearful lesson I'm going to teach you. And he says, Oh, house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on the disaster I have and if another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. So again, this is a challenging, hard, encouraging, loving word from the Father. Do you notice what he says at the end of that? He says, and if another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, that is a prophetic word that was over Israel. That you will be built up, you will be planted. And he says, so what he's doing is, and if they rebel, I can withhold my hand of blessing. And I can remove my hand of blessing, and then they will naturally walk through consequences. And again, this is not an unloving, unmerciful God. This is tough love saying, if you do it yourself, and if you are bent on doing what is right in your own eyes, making your own rules, making your own standards, then... A loving thing is to let you naturally suffer consequences so that maybe when you suffer consequences, you'll come back to them. And that's why God's merciful when He loves people in a tough way. And so Jeremiah sees this potter, this master craft, and molding this clay, fastening the clay into a vessel. And so God speaks to him and he's speaking to us. And so in this story, he keeps defining our purpose. Here's the first one. Let's go to the next slide kind of keys to finding our purpose from this story. Number one is knowing who God is. He is the potter. We are the clay. I know that that might sound obvious, but like Israel, they struggled with this. Because the tendency is for us to say, I'll be the potter of my own life. Who's ever sat at a potter's wheel and you, you know, molded and shaped something? Anybody? Who's ever tried and failed miserably? A lot of us. You could, I'm there, man. Double hands up. I, 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 I'm not artsy at all. Uh, you know, just ask my wife. I, you know, my drawing are like stickmen. Um, that, that's as artistic as I get. And I've tried that before. And it's kind of a joke to watch me do it because there's a, you know, and then they'll tell you, and I've talked to people, and I actually saw this on display. There's a, uh, there's a, a gal that used to do. She, as she's talking, she's actually giving a, a talk about you know, not being the potter. And she's making something as she's talking, which I think is amazing that she can talk and do that at the same time. Of course, ladies seem to be able to think out both sides of the brain, talking on the phone, feeding a kid with a bottle, like texting somebody with their toes. And, you know, it's just like amazing what they can do. And, I, and, and I, I've tried it before, and there is a, you know, there's a, there's a touch to it. There is a real art to it. There is the right amount of pressure, but not too much pressure. 
Because what, what happens most of the time is you get the feeling, you know, and you see it before and it just starts flowing, you know, thumping and flopping, and that, that's mine. So, um, if we were going to ask that part, I would be a millionaire. To just take that blog, tell them to bake it, paint it, and say, you call it whatever you like, baby, that's good. eBay, one million bucks, it's abstract. It can be whatever you want it to be. That's my art. But this key, this important key, is knowing the inherent importance of discovering our purpose. God is speaking to Israel, speaking to us that He is the potter and we are the clay. He's the one who makes, we are the ones being made. And the verse that you have up there, Psalm 100, verse 3 Know that the Lord is God. Get that in your heart. Know that He is God. In other words, you're not, and I'm not. We're lousy gods, but yet we try so hard sometimes. And that was God's merciful thing to Israel. It's like, stop being God. This goes back to Genesis where Adam and Eve, and again, I've said this before, it's not so much about what type of fruit and all of that. Don't get lost in that. They made a God decision. They said, we know better than God. We'll take control. We'll make a God decision for our life. And, we, and basically, we don't trust in God's goodness. And they were doing what was right in their own eyes. That's the, that, that, again, that, that phrase from the book of God, that people did what was right in their own eyes. It's like, no, I will be God. And the psalmist says, know that the Lord is God. He, it is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. He is the potter. He is the designer. And He has designed us for His purpose. From the foundations of the earth, God thought of you and, and me, and He had purpose for our lives. We are not an accident. We're not an afterthought. Regardless of the circumstances that you've endured in your life, the pain, the hurt, whatever, God designed you and planned you. People made sinful decisions that they abused you, but that does not negate that God still has a plan, and He actually can heal and redeem and restore you. That's the God we serve. But knowing this, that He is the potter, we are the clay. And He's molding us and He's making us into a vessel of His purpose. And the tendency for us is to say, I, I want to be a potter. I want to call the shots. And a lot of times that happens again when we have endured things and we've hurt. And so when people have controlled us, we tend, the tendency is instead of getting control of God, we want to take control. And we need to come back to say, God, you are the potter. And let's look at a few verses. We're going to go to the next slide and, and, and just kind of break this passage down from Jeremiah. And, and, and God, God says this in verse 64, Oh, house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Because, Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hands, O house of Israel. He said, can I not do with you? Do you understand that I am the potter? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you think that you're a better potter. I am the potter. Can I not do with you like this potter does? So don't forget this. And so in my life, I have to recognize that he's the potter, and he can do whatever he wants in my life, knowing that he knows what's best for me. And that's that place in, in relationship to God to trust him completely with my life. And that's a hard place to come. 
and to get to, but to trust Him that He's molding me and He's making me into the vessel that He wants. He's forming me. And so again, we must not forget that He's the maker. We are the made. And we have to guard our hearts in those times where we try to switch places. We try to be the potter and we, when we don't think God's doing a very good job in our lives. Or maybe you're in a confusing time. God seems silent or He seems distant and so then we take control. Or we don't like what God's making us into. I don't like my job. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like this circumstance in my life. I don't like that circumstance in my life. So, God, I think I can do a better job when we try to switch places with Him and God's saying, just come to me. Come to me. Don't take control because that, that's going to lead you to a place you do not want to go. So we forget our roles and we try to play God. That's been the temptation since the beginning, and we see it in our culture now. I mean, we see it in our culture now, people that just say, we are going to do what is right in our own eyes. And we reject God as the designer. We do reject God as the master planner of everything. And we say, no, I will do with my life what I want to do with my life. You, you have messed up, and I'm going to now live my own life. Listen to what Isaiah says. So Isaiah has a similar passage, and so you think God really is trying to speak. Um, but Isaiah says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shaped it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot explain how clumsy can you be? So this is from Isaiah, very similar. So it's a different prophet, very similar picture here. And so the imagery here is a potter is molding and making this, and the pot starts talking to him. Say, hey, I, I don't like what you're doing. You're horrible. Stop this. And, and, and you, you, you're, you're messing up. I don't like what you're doing. I, I'd, rather, I'd much rather be a beautiful picture than a bowl. I don't want to be a bowl. Aren't there enough bowls around? Make me into this. Make me into that. I'd like to be a vase. I'd like to be this. I'd like to be that. And it's this. And, and, and Isaiah said, you see the imagery? It's like this this play arguing with the potter. And we argue with God, and this, is too, uh, and this can be too familiar for our own lives is when we think we know better than God, and we begin to dispute with Him, and they say, well, I think God, if, you, if I would just do this, I could be you too if you would just let me do this and that, and, and, and instead of trusting Him, we begin to want to switch places and do our own thing. But here's the phrase in that. And here's the first thing. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? And that's the merciful part of God. Is when He called the people, and again, He spoke strongly to them. And it was tough love at times. And sometimes these words can be tough, but His, his, his heart is full You know, it can seem very cruel, like if somebody is, you know, if they're headed for danger and somebody you know, cuts them off at the path and they go, what are you doing? Well, I, you know, I see where you're going. But it's, and, and I, I've used this before, but it's so right. It's, it's like as parents, when we are guiding and directing our kids, you know, and they're at that age where they're, you know, especially when they're able to start pulling up and stuff, you know, and they're like, it's a whole new world. You know, um, and, and they start grabbing stuff, and that is my lab uh, here for today. Um, little Disney, I'm going to break out in something else in a minute, you know. But kids don't know, they're crawling, and now they're up here, and they're like, whoa. Breakable things. Um, danger, you know, and, and, 
but they don't know. And that's why as parents are leading them and guiding them and saying, you know, we, we, we want to guard them. And if a, if a child sees something and it just becomes an object of affection, you know, if you dropped a knife on the floor and they're making a beeline for it, well, you know if they're at that certain age, everything goes in the mouth, right? For whatever reason, the kids are teething and they're chewing on everything. Well, naturally, as a parent, if you see this unfold and you see this baby, you're going to do whatever it takes. Either getting the knife out of the way, you're going to get the kid out of the way. What is the kid going to do? He's going to be upset. They're going to cry. They might, you know, as they say in the South, pick a fit. They might get upset. But you, as a parent, you see the big picture, and as much as they cry, you can't sit down there and go, okay, here's the deal. Now, it's just stop. You're not going to, it doesn't equate. They're just going to be crying. But you, as a parent, you lovingly say, I, I, I want what's best for you. Get that imagery in your heart at times when God is convicting you, He's challenging you, He's maybe disciplining you in that area. Don't see it as a shame condemnation thing. If He sees the big picture, He says, I have so much for you. My love is for you. And that was his heart when you read these hard stories in, in the prophets. Don't look at it as, you know, was God mean in the Old Testament? No, he wasn't mean. He was challenging them and calling them back. He said, I have a plan for you. I love you deeply. In the minor prophet Zephaniah, you know, I rejoice over you with singing. Terry read that this morning. He loves us. He delights in us. And he has a plan for us. And he's saying, yeah, I'm trying to keep you on the right because of my love for you. But it's in those tough places where we have a hard time trusting. And he says, what sorrow awaits? And, and when you do your own thing and you're just allowed to do whatever you want, you're doing what is right in your own eyes, he said, the natural end game for that is sorrow. The natural end game for that is heartache. And a lot of times, you know, in, 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 that, in that time in history, they would be They'd be captive by their enemies. And so he said, you want to be captive by your enemy? You want, you want the devil to have full rule and reign in your life to do whatever he wants in your life? That, that means you do whatever you want to do, and you do what's right in your own eyes, and then he has fair game on you. He has to come back to my, my protection, my love. And I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes it's difficult, but trust me. I know what's best for you because I love you. That help keep us from sorrow. And so what happens again is when we try to play God, we try to control and then we you know, we try to control people and they won't cooperate cooperate with us. Cooperate. Um it's almost fun for you. Um but we then we try to control our problems, we try to control our pain, we try to control our image, we try to control our circumstances. And I don't find that this the hard way. The more you try to control all of these things, isn't that exhausting? It's so tiring. Because i got to make sure I'm controlling this and I'm lining this up and I'm controlling this and that. And, and it, it, is, it is tiring to be completely in control of your life. And when we recognize that he's the potter, we're the clay, and then he says, come back, get back up on the potter's wheel, submit yourself back to me, humble yourself before me, I'll take you back in my hands, I'll begin to mold you and shape you. Paul writes in Philippians this, he says, every knee will bow. One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
So he's the Father, but because he is God, we are not. Whether you acknowledge that, whether you people in this world, whether they have all of this philosophical reason why they may not believe God or why they believe maybe there's a God or where they say, I'm the, I'm the master of my own destiny and I'm the controller of my own faith. No matter what it is, folks, biblically, historically, we can see that there's only one God and we are not Him. And one day, every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you either do that on the earth or you will do that on the day of judgment. And you will proclaim that He is Lord. There's only one God, one Lord, one Savior. His name is Jesus. And whether people recognize it or not doesn't matter. Whether they acknowledge it or not doesn't matter. He is God. And here's the great thing, though. In, 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 in the Revelation, He's called us to relationship. We're going to get that in a minute. Let's look at the last verse in this one. Verse 4 of Jeremiah. 18 says, But the pot he was shaking from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best. Finish the formula. To him. Shaping it as it seemed best to the potter, not to us. And so he's shaping us and he's forming us as, it, as he sees it. He makes the vessel that pleases Him. He makes us into a vessel that brings the most glory to Him. He sees the beautiful vessel that He's creating. He sees the purpose of why He's creating. And discovering that purpose begins with God as the Father. Here's the second key. Let's go down to the second key. Our purpose has a relationship with our Creator. We can't get away from this. You'll hear me reiterate this through all of my messages in some way, shape, or form because it comes back to the relationship with him. Here's the beautiful thing also of the imagery. Um, Jeremiah, go down there. I want you to look at this potter. He takes it in his hands. And there, this, is a, this is a picture also of intimacy where a potter has to work with this clay, right? Have you ever seen them? They're kneading it and they're getting it ready and sometimes they're like, you know, it doesn't feel like sometimes when you're going through life that God doesn't need us. I'm shaping you and I'm forming you. I know that was painful, but I am doing something. You're in my hands. And I'm taking you into my hands because I love you. And there's a relational thing. There's this intimacy thing that God is working and is leading and he's molding us. And we're, our, our chief purpose is that we were created to have a relationship with God and to bring him glory. To be a vessel that contains the spirit allowing the Spirit to live in and through us. And so you have this in his hands, this closeness, this picture of love, needing and making us into who he's called us to be. Don't forget that it's about a relationship and he wants you close. And part of committing and surrendering our lives if we've never done that before, or if you're like Israel, and you veered off the path to get back up and say, Lord, I put myself into your hand. And when we belong to God, there's a, there's a psalm that says this, um, and I love it, and, and, and it says this about God. He says, See, I have inscribed, inscribed you upon the palm of my hand. That's how close you are. So when you belong to me, I've inscribed you upon my hand. In other words, you're, that's your mind. And God says, I've written your name. You're in the palm of my hand. And that picture of 
taking us and molding us to closeness and saying, your name is written on my hand because I love you. I don't ever want you to know. I don't, I don't want you to forget that I love you and I care for you. The third thing is this. God wants to mold us to make us more like Jesus. He's making us and He's shaping us to look more and more like the Savior. Again, this is what I said at the beginning. Not that we reach this pinnacle perfection, but even His work in us, how we respond in certain ways, how we act in certain ways. Do we act the same way as the world, or do we act in a different spirit? When the world says, give even, we say we forgive. That's the act of yeah, that, that's the work of God in us. When the world says, make an excuse for your sin, and here's why, here's the five reasons why I'm struggling with that sin, and we kind of justify it and we push it off and say, we need to work with the host of the Lord, I take ownership of that, and I'm sorry, Lord, at some point I, I became rebellious and I made my own decisions to forgive me, and the world sees that, how we respond. Because the problem here is evident because in verse 4 of Jeremiah 18, it says the clay was marred. Do you remember that part of the story? As we kind of backtracked, he said, I saw it, and, and it was, there was a thing that was made and it was marred, messed up. And so there was something in the clay that was hindering it from being molded. And sometimes we can hinder God from molding us and making us into what is best for us, for His purpose. And so picture that your mind, he sees this pot and it's marred. It's broken. It's messed up. And that happens again when we refuse to surrender our lives. And we have these mars, these mistakes in our lives that keep us from letting God mold us and making us into what he wants. Because again, sometimes it's painful and we don't like what he might be doing. And so we get off the wheel, and now we are a marred vessel. What causes us to be messed up or marred? In, in, in this picture, again, that Jeremiah is seeing, sometimes the clay is too hard, right? You cannot, a hard clay is not pliable. I'm not an expert potter by any stretch. I've just done a little research, and so don't be impressed with that, because then I can show you my abstract art afterwards. But I do know that hard clay is it, it's not pliable. And so, this is so much stuff. It, it, it's dry, um, it, it, it's hardened, and that can sometimes describe our heart before God. We go through things and we become hardened. We become dry. And we have stopped running to God and we're now running from God and we're doing our own thing and we have become critical and bitter and hard. And it mars us and we resist God. But the more we obey God and we take those steps of obedience and we surrender back to Him, our hearts begin to soften. Because a lot, what they begin to do is they begin to add water interesting in Ephesians talks about the washing of the water of the Word. When we begin to say, Lord, I want to be receptive to you again. I want to surrender, Lord, forgive me for the hardness of my heart. And that was one of the words that God gave to Israel over and over. So your heart to become so hard. And you rejected me. So let me put my water and my spirit upon you and begin to mold you. And we say, God, 
I don't get it, but here I am again. And I place my stuff in your hand. Thank you, but I'm inscribed in the palm of your hand. You love me and begin to mold me again and shape me. And it's, again, it's about an act of surrender and obedience to Him. What else causes the clay to be marred is the wrong consistency. It, it doesn't hold together. It, it kind of falls apart. It's maybe too moist, and it begins to, and, and it kind of falls apart under pressure. And sometimes we have too little consistency. Maybe in our convictions. Maybe in our priorities. Maybe in our growing in our relationship and our connection with God and people. And God's calling us again as we walk with Him and. As disciples, there's something about a disciplined life. And, and I know that that sounds like miserable, but the fruit of a disciplined life is actually great joy and great freedom and great peace. But God says, I want you to walk with me in a relationship and cultivate the relationship. Yes, I want you in my word. I want you to read the word and, and those consistent connections with God. God, speak to me. I want to love your word. Again, not, not that it... Not that it's just duty driven, but because in relationship, I want to get to know you more, and I want to talk to you in prayer and, and, and loving you and being loved by you and getting into this consistency. Because there's times I counsel people and pray with people, and they might be struggling with something, and sometimes I'll just ask them, you know, just these kind of questions and say, you know, tell me about your relationship with God day to day. Well, you know, I can't remember the last time I read the Bible. I can't remember the last time I prayed. And, Again, that's not a knock on them, but what I'm saying is, is, is there's this inconsistency when pressure happens to fall apart. That's why we need to be connected with God and connected with people. That's why, you know, the writer of Hebrews talks about the, the assembling of ourselves together. We need each other to be connected each other to encourage each other. We need, we need God and we need others. We need the family of God around us. We need, and a part of, you know, if, if, if clay is inconsistent, under pressure, it will fall apart. So we need this consistency, the right consistency, again, to be able to be shaped and to be molded. Because there's going to be pressure that comes, right? And when pressure happens, what happens? If you are inconsistent, you fall apart. That's why we need God's Word as our standard. The last reason that there might be a mar in the clay is that there's, like, if there's ever a little pebble or a little piece of grain or sand. When the potter's hand touches the spot, what happens is it begins to streak it and causes a defect. And it, all it takes is a small little piece of rock or grain. Or, and what that can represent, sometimes it can just be a little hidden sin in our lives, something that we don't want to make right, something that we don't want to confess, something that we try to keep hidden in the dark. And God is saying, you know, I want to set you free, and I want to bring you through that, and I want to give you some freedom. I'm going to walk with you in a relationship, and it's not about just cracking us over the head, but He's saying, I have a plan for you, and, and, and I want you to get that right, and I want to set you free because I love you. I love what John says in First John says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we confess that, we make that right. Again, we have somebody that we trust and they come alongside and we pray with them and they love us and they challenge us and God challenges us and we say, God, forgive me. I don't want to justify, I want to make it right. And then that stone is removed and we can smooth that place again and say, I can cleanse you. 
here's the thing, and I'm going to close with this. We're, we're all marred, right? The church is the fellowship of broken people. Not a country club for a bunch of people that have it all figured out and worked out. We're all marred. We make mistakes, we all have past, we have sins, we have regrets. Sometimes our hearts are hardened, other times we lack consistency. Here's what I love about God, just like He did in the time of old, is He doesn't give up on us. He does not give up on us. And through all of those prophets and word after word, and it, and it was very difficult, but He continued to call them back. I want a relationship. I love you. I care for you. I have a plan and purpose for you. I love you. I care for you. I have a plan and purpose. Come back over here. Don't leave your own life. Don't be your own God. Don't be the master of your own faith. It leads to destruction. I see the end game of that, and I'm calling you to true life and true peace. And he doesn't give up on us. And our margin and our mistakes don't have to be the final part of our story. You don't have to stop the plan of God. Because this is what Scripture says, that because the pot was marred, the potter formed it into another pot. Isn't that cool? He doesn't just take it and say, this is ruined, it's broken, beyond repair, throw it out in the trash. He says, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it into my purpose. It's marred. And, and, and that's us. Sometimes we make bad decisions, sometimes sinful things, and we're inconsistent, or you know, and, and we fall under pressure, or you know, whatever the reasons are. But he takes it and he begins to break it down again. And this is that place again where he takes it in our hands lovingly. We forgot to give him. There's a beautiful thing for repentance. God, forgive me. And I put myself in your hands again. He said, That's the best. Now we're going to have some water. We're going to begin to ground this down again. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to shape you and I'm going to mold you. And then it says that. He forms it into another part, a new one. Because there's newness in life. Pot was messed up with pot, so that it's okay. I can take that mess. I can make a miracle. I can take what was broken and I can make it into something new. Because he's the God of circumstances. He's the remaker. He's the rebuilder. He's the restorer. You don't get that from any other God. You get that from a life in Jesus. But there is a key to this. We have to humble ourselves. We have to stop doing this right in our own eyes. Stop being God. We have to put our place back and surrender God. I, I, I give myself wholly to you. Unconditional surrender. Back in your hands. And say, God, you be God. Jesus, you be Lord. Because I trust you. And he begins to shape us. And I love what Paul says. There's a New Testament imagery of the same kind of story. He said, what we preach is not ourselves. I love that Paul says that. He said, it's not about us. When you make it about you, it, it, you're in a bad place. He said, it's not, we're not preaching not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves are His servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Marred, cracked pots that the glory of God can be seen in. 
that even in sometimes in our in our cracks and some of the but you know even in the crack that that when you turn the light off and you look at a, a, a piece of pottery that has a little crack that there's a light in it the light shines through. so even in our brokenness Jesus can be seen that it's about His surpassing greatness it's about His glory it's about His work and then He says it's, it, 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 it's from God and not from us in other words when people see the how do you walk that out? What's different about you? Why the peace? Why the joy? You were a broken mess. I knew you before, but why are you all of a sudden? You, you, you seem to, your life seems to have made some changes. And you can say, it is not about me. It's about the work of God. It's about the work of Jesus. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit and what He has done in me. And I surrendered my life. I put myself on I made Him the potter of my life. And He's shaping me and molding me. He's healing me. He's restoring me. He's redeeming me. And He's displaying His power through me. And so He, when we put ourselves in His hands, He shapes us and us and He makes us more like Jesus. So that ultimately the people see Jesus. So that we're the message to the world and they see Jesus. And they don't see the church as a country club where they don't feel welcome. They see it as this country club where I, I, I don't even know if I'm coming. I don't even know what you people do in there. But we just say, hey, we're broken, you're broken, come join the party. Because we all need Christ. And when I go out and about in my day that I'm living on purpose, and just like Jeremiah, you can see God speaking, and you took Jeremiah to this potter's house. And says, if you open your eyes, I can show you so many spiritual things. We open our eyes out there and we allow God to speak to us, and then He'll allow His Spirit to make us His message to the lives of the people in this area, in this region that you're around, your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers. Because the ultimate thing, again, the ultimate purpose is to love God, be loved by God, and to bring Him glory in whatever vessel that we might be. Yeah. If you want me to make me a bowl, God, make me a bowl. Help me to be a bowl to the glory of God. If you want me to be a vase, if you want me to be whatever it is, God, you are forming and shaping me. I'm in your hands. Do with me what you want, but bring glory to Jesus and let your work be done in and through me. Will you stand with me? We're going to go to the action step before we pray. Each week in this in this series, we've been uh, I've been giving you kind of an action step of one of two, and these are just things that just kind of help our hearts. And this week, what I'd like for you to do is intentionally connect with someone in your life who is like who had who had or is maybe having presently in the past it could be, but they had a godly impact on you. Well, intentionally connect with them if possible and, and, and remind them of that. And say, I want you to know. And maybe they don't, they don't know. Maybe you've told them before, but just do it again and just say, I want you to know your influence and impact on my life has been has made a huge difference. It, it encourages people. And when we're intentional about that, but call someone if you can, email them, text them, whatever method you, you do, if you, if you see them, them and, but be intentional about it. To let people know how, how much of a blessing they've been. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that again, um, well, we can we can profess and, and, and we can have sermons and messages and it's all fine and well, but Lord, we're asking that your spirit would do a work in our hearts. Lord, as a pastor, I'm not offended that most people will not remember this message in two months. 
or maybe next week. And that's okay. But, but Lord, we will never forget when your Spirit does something significant in us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do something significant in our hearts. That, Lord, wherever we're at on, in, in, our, in our walk, in our journey of faith, Lord God, and, 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 and again, in this room, there are lots of different people, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different stories. Wherever you're at on your faith journey, maybe you're here today, you're far away from God, maybe you doubt God, maybe you struggle with God, the idea of Jesus, and, and whatever it is, God loves you. You're here on purpose. Jesus loves you, and maybe you've been hurt before, again, maybe you've been, some of the things that you've seen in religion have been painful. Jesus wants you to know that that, that stuff is man-made stuff and not a thing. And he loves you and he has a plan for your life and he is calling you to himself and he's calling you to a life of purpose. He's saying, will you, will you let me be God of your life? Will you let me be the Lord of your life? Will you let me call the shots because it's the greatest place, the greatest decision you'll ever make? Maybe here today, and, and again, you, you maybe walk with God, and you have a relationship with God, but you just kind of find yourself veering off, and for whatever reason, and the Lord is nudging you, and He's calling you, and He's saying, "Come back and get back on the wheel, and let me shape you, and mold you, form you." I know sometimes it's painful, and sometimes it's hard, and you have questions, but trust me, because I love you. So whatever those are, I want to pray for you. Let you know that God hears your heart and He sees you. And all it takes is a just an honest confession of faith from your own heart and the quietness of your own life. Lord, I give you my life, surrender my heart, and make you God in my life again. And you can say that to Him and He hears you. Lord, I pray for each one of us. God, that we would remember that you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us into what you have called us to be for the glory of Jesus, that many will come to know Christ through our lives. Lord, I pray a blessing over this week, that we would go forth from here, that we would reflect you in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.